Welcome to Lipstick Attitude, hosted by Dr. Elizabeth King, psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, author, and motivational speaker, specializing in trauma and women's mental health, and Yvonne Haas, psychotherapist and coach specializing in relationships, couples, and women's issues. This show is your dose of inspiration, information, and laughter. In each episode, Dr. King and Yvonne bring you hacks, tips, and inspiring stories to help you live a successful life. So ladies, grab your lipstick. It's time to do this. The Lipstick Attitude Podcast is powered by Suits, Stilettos, and Lipstick Foundation, a nonprofit movement to empower women and children from all walks of life to be resilient, self-confident, and purposeful leaders through education, mentorship, and community outreach. To learn more, visit sslwomen.org. Please note that this show is intended to empower and educate. It is not meant to be utilized as a substitute for individual therapy. Well, good morning, everyone. How is everyone today? Good morning, Yvonne. Good morning, Dr. Paris. How are you? Good, good. Doing great. Fabulous. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Yvonne is my co-host, and I am Dr. Elizabeth King, and this is the Lipstick Attitude, another very important episode. And how much more important is it than to talk about breast cancer uh, this is October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we would be uh, we would be terrible hosts and terrible women empowerment uh, organization if we did not talk about breast cancer. Um, this is such an important topic, and this show is dedicated to our wonderful, lovely Heidi Dennis, who was a community leader, a chairwoman for Suit Stilettos and Lipstick for so many years and uh, a great friend to all. Uh, she fought a courageous battle against breast cancer. We wanna celebrate her every single day, but especially during this time. Um, so for you, Heidi, we love you for eternal, eternity. So um, rest in peace, my friend. Um, so today's program is a very important topic, is uh, about uh, breast cancer in 2020. So we're going to dive in and speak about, you know, lifestyle changes, what are the new treatments, how do you diagnose, how do you take care of yourself, all those things. And we have an expert sitting right here with us, Dr. Perez. So Yvonne, you want to do the formal introduction? Absolutely. Well, good morning, everyone. Dr. Perez is an associate professor of clinical medicine in the Division of Oncology at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. She is the medical director of the Brayman Family Cancer Institute at the University of Miami Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center in Plantation. So welcome, Dr. Perez. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. Very important topic indeed. Very much so. Very, very important topic, you know, and I think um, uh, we get we get very much celebrated in this month. You know, there's the pink, there are the walks, there are the parades, there are all kinds of, you know, events that happen to bring an awareness to breast cancer. Um, and yet, I think so many women still go without their exams. It seems to sometimes be forgotten in the other months of the year. So I'm super excited that you are here today and that we're bringing some light to this very important topic. So Yes, it's, it's a very big problem. It is, it is. Dr. Perez, what, what made you go into this field? Like what made you decide 
let me go into oncology, let me dive into uh, breast cancer. You know, was there an inspiration for moving into this field for you? So in medical school, you get to explore a little bit of everything. And, um, and I fell in love with oncology, hematology. So I decided that I, I wanted to specialize uh, on that. So you go into internal medicine, then you, then you do your fellowship in hematology, oncology. When I got there, um, I was very lucky uh, that I had a mentor who, was, uh, who is world renowned in, in breast cancer. And I was able to spend my last year of training with him um, studying breast cancer. And I fell in love with uh, women's issues, uh, with the research uh, behind it, uh, the fact that you get to cure so many of these patients and, and you just um, have uh, tons of survivors uh, from these disease. Uh, so there were many factors uh, that were very attractive to me in terms of breast cancer. And I decided that I wanted to dedicate my life uh, to that. And I've been doing that for the last 20 years. Wow, that's, that's amazing. It takes a very special person to, to do this kind of work. Um, I know that when we were uh, dealing with uh, breast cancer with our very good friend, Heidi Danas, um, you know, I got to meet some of her docs and I, you know, I just, I just, just can't even imagine what you go through as a doctor, and how you know you see people going, women going, men and women going through this, um, you know, terrible disease, um, and what that must do to you. How do you keep yourself, you know, um, going, moving forward when you have such difficult cases? Uh, sure, many are very difficult, but uh, at the end of the day, it's very rewarding. And I think it has to do with the fact that we, I, I understand uh, my role and I understand my purpose here. And um, at the end of the day, we're here to support you um, independent of uh, the outcome. You know, again, like I said, many women are cured and many women, we, we celebrate great outcomes, but uh, there's a few of them that are not going to make it. And uh, and those are the tough cases. And uh, we cry with them, we laugh with them. Um, I always say that the day that I stop crying, I just have to retire because then I'm not uh, good enough anymore. Um, but um, but uh, my role is to support them. Um, there's a, there's a, a Hippocrates uh, a, a thing that I follow all the time and I keep with me. And he says, uh, the role of the physician is to cure sometimes heal often and support always. And that's, uh, that's how I do it. Wow. You know, that, that's beautiful. You just touched my heart um, yeah. deeply by saying it. Now I understand why Carol Margolis gave us your name. Uh, by the way, the, the reason that we connected with you, I don't know if you know this, but through your partner from Florida, uh, a breast cancer foundation, Carol Margolis, when I spoke with her about being on the podcast, she said, no, I can't be on the podcast. I need you to speak to an expert in the field, a doctor that's in the front line. And, um, you know, so thank you, Carol, if you're listening to this. Thank you so much for bringing Dr. Paris to our show. So here's the, here's the question, because all of us women, we hear about self-breast exam. And I have to tell you that sometimes I'm good at it and sometimes not so good at it. You know, I get on a on a bandwagon and I start doing it and then all of a sudden I, I forget to or something happens to me, I don't know. Why is it so important to do those breast 
uh, self-exams. There's a lot of controversy about uh, breast self-exams. Uh, some people feel that they help. Some people feel that they don't, they're not that helpful. Um, I find them very helpful because we see a lot of patients that come to us with a complaint. I feel something and uh, many, many do. And, and so and it's an easy thing to do. So uh, the important thing is that you do it every month because uh, patients are always afraid of doing the breast exam and, oh, I feel something and, and I don't know what I'm feeling. But if I promise you that if you do it every month, you know what you are feeling. If, if there's something abnormal, eventually you know. It's important that you get to know your breast and that's, how, um, that's why you have to do it frequently. Uh, in in uh, women that have uh, their periods, uh, premenopausal women, it's very important that they do them after uh, the period because before the breasts uh, sometimes can feel dense, so it's hard. Uh, so after the period, every month, uh, just put an alarm on your, on your uh, phone or whatever you can do to remember. Uh, but if you do it every month, the minute you have an abnormality there, you're going you're gonna to know. Very important that you cover the whole breast, that you cover the axilla, the armpit, because uh, sometimes uh, breast cancers can, can present with just a lump in the axilla. And also very important that you look in front of a mirror uh, to look for skin changes, uh, for uh, nipple retraction, anything that looks abnormal in your breast. You know, I, I'm not turning the show into a racy show, but I, I heard from someone um, that it's actually women's partners who are more likely to find a lump in her breast than she is. Mm. Yeah. It's, sometimes they do. I've, yeah. I've heard it all in, the, in this <laughs> office. So yeah, sometimes they do. And, and, and that's good too, whatever, whatever it takes. <laughs> whatever works, whatever works. But whatever works for, for you. And I think because so many women, like you said, Dr. Perez, are afraid of, you know, t taking on and doing, partners are actually more likely. Um, so then what is the importance of, of imaging? And are there types of imaging that you recommend more than other types of imaging? So every case is different. Um, of course, if you, uh, when you're 40, uh, if the risk is average, uh, when you're 40, we recommend a mammogram every year. Uh, there's some women that we have to start earlier. Uh, so for example, if my mom was 40 when diagnosed with breast cancer, um, I should start 10 years before. So that woman should start at 30. So it depends. But, but if you don't have any family history, if you don't have your risk is, we think is average, uh, the recommendation is to start at age 40 with a mammogram. Sometimes we add an ultrasound in some cases that we're investigating um, an abnormality or uh, women that have very dense breasts, uh, implants. So sometimes we add um, um, an ultrasound. And uh, the other test that is important is an MRI. An MRI of the breast uh, can be added to women that are at higher risk. So if you have a very strong family history uh, or a mutation, a BRCA gene mutation, something else uh, that makes you high risk, then we add an MRI as well. So the important thing is that uh, the patient needs to discuss with the doctor what's the best plan for them. It could be just a mammogram once a year, but it could be more. Uh, it depends on, again, a lot of other risk factors that we have to take into account and everybody's different. That's, that's fascinating. Now, uh, here's a, a question that I think everybody wants to know. And I know a little bit of the answer because I've actually have been impacted by this um, in my family, um, but do men get breast cancer? Yes, they do. Uh, it's not very common. So 
when the risk for women, one in eight women are going to develop breast cancer, uh, the risk in men is one in 1,000. So it is rare, uh, but we do see them. I, I get uh, two, three uh, men every year in my office uh, with, uh, with this disease, and it's a very similar presentation with a lump. Uh, men usually don't get mammograms uh, unless there is a risk factor that uh, they knew before, but for the most part, they, they don't get mammograms, so they present with a lump. Uh, unfortunately, they usually present late because they don't believe it. They don't want to act on it. I, I think women were more aware and, and, we, and we go to the doctor right away, but men don't. Um, and uh, the other problem is that I think we've made this breast cancer a very pink world and, uh, mm -hmm. and they're called women's center and uh, everything is pink. So I don't think we're being very welcoming to, mm. to men and uh, we're changing that. We're changing that to make sure we don't call it we don't call the centers women's centers. We don't call, there's not a lot of pink. We, we, we are having all colors now. And, and you know, so again, to, to make men be more comfortable coming, uh, coming and, and, and um, addressing the problem uh, because men are, are diagnosed late. And, and that's of course uh, a big issue. We, we probably should rename the title of this podcast to Men and Women uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month or something like that. I, I think that would be, you know, the beginning of a really important dialogue to be able to welcome men into the conversation. Um, you know, I, I think Absolutely. you just made me aware. I just had an aha moment as you were saying that uh, with the pink, as we, as you see, we're wearing pink, you know, we, we are, you know, catering, of course, to the majority, but so oftentimes we miss uh, the message for men. Um, so we do need to do a better job at that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Dr. Perez, when should someone consider genetic testing? Yes, yeah, so it's very important to know your family history. Uh, there are some, uh, and, and even some cultures that, uh, for example, in the Hispanic culture, where a lot of people don't want to talk about cancer and it's more a taboo. Um, so very important that you bring it up, that you know your family history, that uh, you ask the questions. Um, so if we have a family member with breast cancer uh, young, under 50, that's a red flag. Um, certain, uh, certain populations, for example, in the Ashkenazi uh, Jews, uh, there's a common uh, BRCA mutation. Uh, the risk of having mutations uh, of the BRCA gene is higher. So we test uh, a lot of uh, the women and men with, um, that are Ashkenazi. Um, bilateral breast cancer is also a red flag. A man in the family with breast cancer, um, ovarian cancer at any age. There are certain types of tumors uh, that are more prone to have the, one of those genes. And then the important thing is that um, in the past, we only had BRCA gene and we only knew about BRCA gene. Uh, but nowadays we have uh, a lot of other genes. So we're bringing back a lot of women that we tested in the past uh, for BRCA. We're bringing them back. To, to retest and to do these panels. Like right now, we're, the panel that we're using is, um, is about uh, 80, 80 genes. So, so there are many others. So, so it's important that it's not just BRCA. And, um, and not just to have uh, the genetic uh, mutations uh, that you can do at home or uh, that's not the right genetic testing. You need to have appropriate counseling and, uh, and the right genetic testing and, and post uh, post-testing counseling also, so you know what to do with the information. Yeah, I have a family member who found out that she <coughs> had a strong um, 
the, like lineage of breast cancer in her family. And before she decided before there was any issue to have her breast removed and have implants put in. Uh, is that a possibility for someone with these, with that kind of lineage to breast cancer? Yeah, so um, we usually recommend, <coughs> I'm sorry, <coughs> we usually recommend um, uh, bilateral mastectomy surgeries if the risk of breast cancer is more than 50%, the lifetime risk of breast cancer is more than 50%. So um, the risk for any woman is about 10, 12% lifetime risk of developing breast cancer. So if we see that the risk is very high. So for example, if you have the BRCA mutation, the risk of developing breast cancer can be up to 80%. So it's a very high risk. So those women, that's, a, that's a, an option. And not everybody does it, but most do. Uh, there are some other genes that the risk is less, 50%, 60%. So we usually start discussing um, having a bilateral mastectomy uh, if the risk is more than 50%. Some women do it if the risk is lower. Some women do it if the risk is uh, higher. I mean, it's, it's, of course, a personal choice. Uh, we're going to follow them regardless, surgery or not, with the appropriate imaging if they choose not to have surgery. Um, but it's a, it's a personal choice. And a lot of women, I mean, you hear all the time, in the media and, um, and actresses and uh, uh, that they, they find that they have a genetic mutation and they opt to have uh, both breasts removed, the ovaries removed, um, and those are choices. You know, I, th I think Angelina Jolie did that. And I think she had both breasts removed, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you do hear a lot of uh, celebrities doing that. Um, let's talk a little bit about treatment because, um, you know, you hear you know, for this type of breast cancer, you do this. For this kind of breast cancer, you do that. And I know that it's very confusing and overwhelming for women. So what, what's new out there? Uh, how do you even start if you find, if you find a lump in your breast? What, what, you know, what do you do? Okay. So if you find a lump in your breast, the most important thing is to go to your doctor right away. Uh, the, the most important reason, or the most common reason, uh, patients don't come to us right away is fear. And there's no reason to, have, to, to be afraid because uh, we know that if you come to us early, uh, your chances of being cured are extremely high, extremely high. So that's key. So you come to the doctor right away. We're going to do a biopsy. We're going to do a, a you know, mammogram, ultrasound, MRI, whatever test is needed. We do a biopsy. We confirm it's breast cancer. Then we have to decide, okay, are you, do you have early stage breast cancer? Do you have advanced breast cancer? Because the treatments are a little bit different. Um, so we discuss surgery, the need for surgery, what kind of surgery, do you preserve your breast or you um, remove your breast? So depending on the cancer, depending on a lot of many factors that we take into account. So you discuss surgery, you discuss the role for radiation therapy, the role for chemotherapy, the role for hormonal therapy, um, more advanced um, targeted therapies, clinical trials. So every case is very different. And um, in the past, we used to treat everybody the same. But nowadays, uh, it's all about personalized medicine. It's all about finding out what's unique for this particular patient so we can treat that patient, not, not like we treat, treated the one before. Um, so uh, many patients need um, all of them. Uh, some patients need one. They, they, some patients... They're okay just with surgery. Some patients need more. Um, so again, it depends on the characteristics of the cancer, um, the age of the patient, 
the genetics uh, involved, advanced or early stage, um, uh, every patient is different. But we've made a lot of progress. Um, like I said, I've been doing this for 20 years. We used to cure, when I started, we used to cure about 60% of women. Nowadays, we cure more than 90% of wow. women. So even in my lifetime, um, we are getting close to that 100%. Sure, we still have work to do because we're, we're not going to stop until we get to 100%. Uh, but we've made a lot of progress thanks to early detection and research. Yeah, those, oh, wow. those numbers are very encouraging for sure. Very encouraging. The key yeah, that is, is early very detection. encouraging because, yeah, because you know a lot of women get the diagnosis of breast cancer and see it as a death sentence. You know, so a 90% cure rate is an amazing number. Right. And even, even uh, for the patients that have advanced breast cancer, what we call metastatic breast cancer stage four, uh, those patients should not see it as a death sentence. Uh, we have been able to turn breast cancer into a chronic disease. So if I tell you you have diabetes and you need insulin for the rest of your life, right? That's a chronic disease. Cancer is, is not like that. Cancer is okay, when you have advanced breast cancer, metastatic breast cancer, you can live for a long time. And, uh, and we're, we're, we were able to turn a death sentence, like you just said, to, um, to a, a chronic disease. And we treat those patients and they have good quality of life and their own treatment, but they can function and they can do whatever they want to do. That's awesome. Are there um, lifestyle changes that you recommend for, for people with cancer or maybe to prevent cancer? Uh, both, uh, extremely important. So um, uh, breast cancer is a very hormonal disease and uh, we accumulate um, estrogen in our fatty tissues. So the more fatty tissues we have, the more incidence of breast cancer. So obesity is a big factor for us. We, we work a lot on uh, trying to bring the weight down, uh, keeping your weight at a, at a good level uh, because obesity is a risk factor for developing breast cancer and for uh, breast cancer recurrence if you already have breast cancer. Uh, so we, we make a lot of changes in terms of diet, low-fat diet, you know, everything uh, with the goal of um, losing weight or keeping your weight at a, at a good level. Um, exercise, of course, is an extremely important part. Uh, exercise we recommend uh, hopefully every day, but um, at least three times a week, uh, because that also decreases the risk of cancer, decreases the risk of recurrence. Uh, very important. Um, alcohol, we, we try to keep it low, um, no more than three to five glasses a week. Um, we try to keep it around three. Um, uh, alcohol, of course, no smoking. Smoking is the worst thing you can do for any kind of cancer, including breast cancer. Um, so there are a lot of uh, lifestyle changes are extremely important and we pay a lot of attention when we when we see a patient um, with breast cancer we address all of those factors and that's why it's, it's always a multidisciplinary approach it's not just one doctor taking care of you it's a huge team of people nutritionists psychologists exercise physiologists uh, massage therapy acupuncturists uh, uh, and of course all the doctors plastic surgery gynecology is a huge team because there are a lot of factors that we have to cover to make sure uh, we address every aspect for that patient you know, I, I want to uh, talk about uh, the, the elephant in the room, which is COVID and uh, what's going on with COVID, because I know that some of the things that you're talking about in, in lifestyle changes is probably counterintuitive to what's going on during COVID. Like people are drinking more, you know, people are eating, you know, a lot of snacky foods, high, high fat foods. 
Um, so, and probably not going for their checkups and not doing their mammograms. Yeah. So let's talk about right now during COVID pandemic, the elephant in the room, how can women and men uh, be very cognizant of their bodies and making sure they're taking care of themselves? What do you recommend? Yes, I think COVID has affected us at so many levels. Um, it's, uh, it's sad to see it because uh, not just the psychological aspect of isolation, but yes, uh, the number one complaint in the office has been weight gain. We're all uh, sitting at home uh, uh, alone uh, thinking what's for dinner, right? Um, so so uh, very important. Uh, weight gain has been a, a very uh, a huge complaint uh, lately. Um, no, we're encouraging um, uh, people to, to really pay attention to those things. Um, most, uh, we're, we're cooking. Uh, sometimes, you know, we're not buying food outside. So we have control over what we're cooking and what we're bringing to the table. Um, also exercise. Um, this is a good opportunity to go out. Yes, gyms are not open and, and of course there are a lot of restrictions. Uh, but just go out. There's really no excuse. Um, we need to incorporate the exercise routine like we brush our teeth every day, you know. Um, we have to incorporate that to our schedule and, and it should be a part of uh, our schedule. From this time to this time, I exercise. Uh, go outside. Uh, there are many things that you can do, a bicycle or a treadmill. Um, yeah, but uh, there's no excuse. And, and again, the cooking part uh, or even if you're buying out, um, you have to uh, find good choices uh, because this is not helping us uh, in any way. And on top of that, yeah, yeah, if, if I'm not doing my mammogram on time, and it's just a bad combination. So we need to be very aware of that and, and, and change it. It's, it's, it's up to us. So you have paid, oh, oh, sorry. I'm sorry, Yvonne. I have so many questions. Go, go. I know. Go. <laughs> I was going to say, do you have patients who are um, concerned or worried about coming into the hospital for their treatments during COVID? Yes. Well, yeah, and, and I think, um, I, I think a few months ago was worse, of course. Um, I think our numbers are getting better, so people are getting uh, more comfortable. Uh, but also, uh, they see that the hospitals, uh, we've done actually a very good job at uh, protecting everybody. For example, uh, uh, you know, at Sylvester, where we have so many patients that are immunosuppressed, stem cell transplant, uh, uh, we we had to be very careful. So um, there has uh, every time you go, you come into the hospital, you get a questionnaire, you get your temperature check, you get a new mask. Visitors are not allowed, with with certain exceptions, of course. Um, but so there are a lot of things. Everybody's wearing protective uh, equipment. Um, uh, there's social distancing. We've changed protocols. For example, patients are now waiting in the waiting rooms anymore, they're waiting in the car. So they call a number and uh, we call them when we're ready to take them. They don't have, so the social distancing is important. So we've, we've, we've come up with a lot of things to protect uh, patients. So I think once the patients see that, that this is what we're doing, they feel safe and they're, they're coming. And, and um, uh, at, the, at the height of the pandemic, um, we were seeing a lot of telehealth I will say that right now we're probably seeing uh, 20, 30 patients via video, um, but most patients are comfortable coming and, they, and we resume all the screenings, uh, mammograms were open for, for all the testing that are needed. So I think things are starting to change, but we are ready. So if we have, God forbid, a second wave or if we have something, you know, again with the flu and a bad season again, uh, we're ready to, to manage. 
That's awesome. That is awesome. Dr. Perez, do you have a message for women and men out there? Maybe some words of hope for them or something that we can, you know, share with them in this, you know, during whether they have cancer or they don't, or just what would you like for them to know? So the first thing is uh, don't be afraid. Uh, get the care you need uh, because, of course, if you come to us early, uh, your chances are much higher. That's number one. Um, number two is uh, take control of your health. It's up to you. Uh, you cannot wait for a doctor to call you. No, you. You are in control. Take control of your health. Know what you need. Discuss it with the doctor. Um, uh, make every appointment with the doctor uh, worth it. Uh, bring your questions. Write the questions before and uh, know what your risk is. Um, uh, some patients, the risk is average, but some patients, the risk is high and they don't even know about it. So uh, take control of your health. Discuss with your physician, with your primary care doctor, with your gynecologist. So what's my risk of developing breast cancer? Uh, what do I need to do? Do I need to do anything different? When do I start my first mammogram? So take control. That, that to me is extremely important. And don't be afraid. We have so many options of therapy right now nowadays. Um, we have clinical trials, we have new drugs, we've made uh, an enormous progress in the last uh, uh, 10, 20 years in the management of breast cancer. So a lot of women are cured, uh, I mean, are cured and, um, and, and if not, uh, we can prolong your life for a, for a long time with good quality of life because obviously that's important too. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that would be my message. Well, you are amazing, and I'm going to switch this uh, last com this uh, last question to to know more about you because you seem like a very caring doctor, a doctor that's really in this for the right reasons, which I think most doctors are. But I want to know uh, what is what is it that you wish people to know you for doing? What is your legacy on that you want to leave behind? So I'm um, uh, not just a doctor, but my number one job is also a mom. Um, so I have um, uh, two children and, um, and I've always wanted uh, one girl and one boy. Uh, so it's, um, it's good to have one of each because yeah. um, you, you want to teach them different things. Uh, but it's important that they see me as a role model for them, as a woman that was able to you know, overcome, overcome a, a lot of things um, as a woman, as an immigrant, uh, um, you know, come to a country. I was not born here. I'm, I'm now an American citizen and I could not be more grateful to this country. Uh, but I want them to, to see me as, um, as somebody that uh, was able to uh, carry on with uh, the dream and, and I made it and uh, and uh, we had uh, good times and bad times, but uh, for the most part, you know, we have a beautiful life. And um, um, I was able to um, succeed um, in, in a very different environment to what I was used to. Um, I want them to remember me as somebody that was kind, um, uh, and especially my patients. Um, my patients are my biggest source of knowledge. Um, I learned so much from them and I'm extremely grateful uh, to them for everything they've done for me. Um, some patients say, oh, you, you did this and this for that, for me. And I always say, well, you have no idea what you've done for me. Um, so I want them to remember me as a, as a good human being and, and somebody that was able to uh, be with, with them 
for for their journey, uh, good or bad. Um, that's that's how I want people to remember me. I want them to remember the work we did uh, developing a breast cancer program to address all the needs um, uh, for that patient uh, and the needs for the community. Um, just a good human being. That's all I want. <laughs> I, I think you're on your way for sure. <laughs> I think you're there. I think yeah. you are there. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. And I think, uh, you know, so oftentimes we ask this question and people are taken aback because you don't really think about what you're doing to impact the world, but you are. And we want to make sure that you're cognizant that you are doing it, that you're walking that talk. And so thank you so much for the work that you do on behalf of all the women and men out there that you're helping and touching uh, their lives uh, because uh, we, we just... You know, so oftentimes when this type of thing happens, when you're diagnosed, you're so uh, lost and having a doctor like yourself that's there for the right reasons, uh, holding your hand and, and walking that, that journey with you is, is as important as any treatment. So again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So how can people get in touch with you? Of course, we'll put your contact information in the show notes, but how, do, how can they reach out to you if they have questions or want to meet with you? What's the best way? Um, yeah, they can call the office or uh, our website. Uh, you can go to U Health um, website or uh, Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center. Um, we have a, a website uh, with all the information there, and um, and you'll see uh, yeah our, our contact information, our phone number um, 954-210-1000. Um, we're here in Sylvester Plantation. Sylvester has many locations, but I'm I'm here in Plantation. And um, and uh, happy to help um, anybody, uh, any questions they have. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I have to send a, a thank you note to Carol Margolis. I also want to put in our show notes uh, the Florida Breast Cancer Foundation because they're a great resource for you. They are partners with UM. And that's how we got Dr. Perez. So Dr. Perez, thank you so much for being part of this show and for shining a, a bright light uh, on this very, very important topics. And I know that everyone that's going to listen to this podcast will be enlightened and uh, certainly will know the next steps for them. So we're encouraging people to make sure they are checking their breasts every single month and that you're following the directions and um, the, the tips that Dr. Perez just gave us. So it's time, ladies, it's time. Whip it out, get your lipstick. <laughs> it's time to put on our lipstick attitude. This is our war paint. This is what we wear to go out there and face the world. It symbolizes resiliency and strength and courage. And it allows us to get out there and say, yes, we're gonna do this. So let's do it, ladies, let's do it. No matter what, put on your lipstick attitude. You've got more courage and more strength than you give yourself credit sometimes for. So you can do it. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're always checking out our podcast. Subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you're sharing because everyone, everyone needs these messages that we are 
here sharing with you every single episode. So thank you again. Uh, again, Dr. Perez, thank you. blessings. Bye. Thank everybody. you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation. Bye.